Hello and welcome back to Luke chapter 12. When we are done today, we are going to be halfway through. How about that? If I had some neat sound effects, I'd play a drum or something victorious sounding. I don't know, but I don't. So instead, we just are going to pretend that I do. I hope you're ready for a great day today. I hope you are having a great day today as we are venturing on. We are halfway, halfway. That's amazing when you think about it. Perhaps in some ways it seems like it's been a long time, or maybe in some ways it seems like it's been short. I don't know. I I hope it seems like it's been short. You'll have to tell me that. That means, though, that we are halfway to Christmas from when we started. How does that make you feel? Excited? Worried? A little anxious? Maybe all of the above. Well, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more. A little bit later. Uh, but here we are starting chapter 12, and it really brings up a question that I have. What are some of your traditions, some of your family traditions, uh, getting ready for Christmas? Maybe you were like my family, where you played games, the whole family together, the tree was decorated, get out the puzzles, put together a nice winter scene. Played a couple of hands of Uno, a couple thousand hands of Uno. (laughs) Maybe you had lots of Christmas parties. Maybe you gathered around the piano while somebody played and you all sung harmony as you were singing Jingle Bells and Silent Night, thinking that you should have recorded it and uh, produced it. (laughs) I don't know. What did you do? Did you go caroling? Play out in the snow? We didn't usually have much snow growing up on Christmas. It usually came later. Some of you up north, I know, probably had a lot more snow than we did. Was that some of your traditions? You just go out and, and do some of these things? Went to parades? It's good to carry those on too, isn't it? You have those traditions to bring your family members along into it, right? Where you maybe even build some of those family traditions up and keep them going. Or perhaps you start some of your own. I know at uh, our household, we've carried some on, but we've also created some new ones where uh, we have a special dinner or breakfast. I think we kind of switch off back and forth. But you can eat whatever you want. That's the idea. So I think we usually try to have breakfast. So breakfast time, you can have a cheeseburger if you want. Or you can have a milkshake or ice cream. And the moms and dads can't dictate to the children what they're going to have. We can't, we can't tell them yes or no. They can eat whatever they want to eat. As long as it's not too much sugar, we just don't want them to get sick, right? But it's fun. It makes it fun. It, it adds to what we're doing during that season, right? It, it makes it joy-filled. Now, while we're at it, traditions are good. They help us enjoy whatever it is that we are celebrating or doing whatever it is that we are doing. We have these traditions in place, and they're fun. But it's not a law, right? We don't have to do them. We choose to do them. It's good. It helps us to remember whatever it is that we're celebrating. That, that's quite different than a law. Do you remember some of your laws growing up? <laughs> some of the rules? Do you remember them? No jumping on the couch, right? You can't eat dessert before dinner. You can't ruin your supper. You can't hit, right? Those are things that you can't do. Those are some of the laws, the rules. And of course, Now that we have children, we are teaching our children what it means to be a child in our household, 
the ways that we operate, what it means to be a may. Mays don't do this. Mays don't do that. Mays behave, right? Now, of course, my children aren't perfect, but they're pretty close. They're pretty close. We have good kids. But there's a difference, isn't there, between a tradition and a rule. It's important to understand the differences there. And see, some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are really upholding their traditions, the things that have been put in place as law. Right? They have these little rubrics or, or borders around the law that people are now being required to do so that they don't break that initial law. It's extra. Now, Jesus calls them hypocrites in the previous chapter, chapter 11, because of the way that they're holding other people to, to keeping these traditions as if they are law. And they're putting this big weight on their shoulders because people are unable to keep it. That's why Jesus begins this chapter the way that he does, by saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisee, which is hypocrisy. So they're telling people that they have to do this, they have to do that, when, and in reality, they can't do it themselves. Right? There are these traditions that they are forcing individuals to keep. At the same time, there is a law that we're called to keep. Now, of course, we know that we can't do it perfectly. However... As Christians, there are some things that we do. Why? Because Christ called us to do them. As people who love Jesus, we, we do it. Again, we don't do it perfectly. We're thankful. We're saved by grace. But we do it because that's what we're created to do. And so we're going to talk about that today. There are traditions, but then there are also rules. There are things that we don't have to do, right? We don't have to wash our hands in a particular manner. We don't have to keep certain ceremonies, at the same time, Jesus is telling us to do certain things in this chapter. And I want us to remember that because, again, this is for our good. And it's for the good of our neighbor. So we are going to search through some of these things today. Uh, we won't get all of them. Now, this is kind of a long chapter. Uh, but here we go. One of the such rules or laws that God has given us that we're called to keep has to do with coveting. The ninth and tenth commandment, if you follow our Lutheran tradition. Do not covet. In his explanation of the ninth and 10th commandments, Martin Luther says this, we should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in, in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it, right? So we're not supposed to covet or scheme to get our neighbor's things, but instead we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, isn't that what Jesus himself says? So Jesus in our text today says the very thing. He says, do not covet or fact. What he actually says is, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But you can see that in a lot of people's lives, right? And that's the temptation is to always want more. I have to have this. I have to have that. Your God becomes things. You think you just have to keep having more, right? It's fine to have certain things. It's fine to have clothes. It's okay to want clothes and food and to have Christmas traditions and to do things like that, have hot chocolate. But it's wrong when we start thinking we have to have the Christmas that so-and-so has. 
We have to be able to afford this. We want to have their lifestyle and live the way that they live. We're wanting something that doesn't belong to us and perhaps shouldn't belong to us. We don't know what our neighbor's life is like, do we? We think that our life has to have more things when reality is the one thing we have to have is God. Jesus then goes into this parable about an individual who keeps storing up stuff. I got to have more, got to have more, got to have more. And finally, he's to the point where he feels like he has it all. He's worked hard his whole life for himself. And now he can just sit, relax, and be merry, right? Well, not exactly, because God says his life is going to be required of him that night. He's worked his entire life for himself, and he has absolutely nothing to show for it. And the stuff that he worked for, he doesn't even get to keep. So be careful what you work towards, is what Jesus says. Because in Christ and his ways, we know that we have what? Treasures in heaven, which is way better than anything we could have here. But sometimes it's hard to keep that in our minds. Instead, we keep thinking we have to have this, we have to have that. And the next thing you know, our anxiety builds, which happens to be the next section that Jesus talks about. We have any anxious people out there today? I'm sure we don't, right? There's no one that has any anxiety about getting everything ready for Christmas, but making sure all the traditions are in place, all the gifts are bought, all the eggnog has been purchased. Yes, that is important. Making sure the games are ready to be played, the house is in order, the decorations are up. Making sure everything is okay within the family, with the in-laws coming, with the other family coming, everybody going to get along. I'm sure there's no anxiety, right? Of course there is. But Christmas isn't the only time that we have anxiety. Oh, I forgot the big one, right? Money. (laughs) Until we have enough for Christmas. But see, this is true every day. We're always wondering if we have enough. Perhaps we're worried that we don't have enough, right? We have to have more. We want to make sure that our barns are filled and build larger ones at that so that we can say to our soul, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But sometimes it's not just about wanting more. Sometimes we really do get nervous, don't we? Do we have enough? Are we going to be taken care of? Are we going to be okay? Is our, are our children going to be okay? I hear you never stop worrying about your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your parents as they get older in age. It's difficult, right? Is this going to be the last Christmas for some of them? Maybe this will be our last Christmas. Ooh. There could be some anxieties built into this time of year. But Jesus has some words for us, and it really is a comforting word. Yes, it starts off with law, right? Do not be anxious about your life. But we shouldn't be. We don't need to be. Because there is somebody else who is taking care of us. Look at the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They don't have storehouses or barns. They can't build up barns and bigger barns filled with whatever ravens eat. I don't know what ravens eat. But yet, God takes care of them. And see, here it is. Jesus says this. Jesus says this to us. Of how much more value are you than the birds? 
You go to Genesis, right? What was man's job in creation? To oversee the birds. Psalm 8 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him, here it is, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You are worth far more than birds. Look at the birds. Look at the way they know how to fly south. Or the squirrels that are running around in your backyard, how they're able to store up for the winter. Got the acorns ready. Look at those leaves, how they fall because the trees know that they have to let go of those leaves so they can survive. God is taking care of all of those things. And the animals. But he also takes care of you. If God clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, if God cares about how that looks and giving all of creation its beauty, how much more will he clothe you? Do not seek what you are to eat or what you're to drink or worry about these things. Other people worry about these things. You know that you have a God that takes care of you. Fear not, for God gives you the kingdom. See, that's why we have this law in place. He doesn't want us to chase after things that are going to be here today, but are gone tomorrow. Instead, he wants us to look at the bigger picture, the kingdom of God, which he graciously gives to us. And if you really want to look at this, if you really want to know how much God cares about you, and this will really be a good lead into where we're going to be tomorrow, just look at the cross. If you see Jesus bleeding for you, if you can picture that, you know that God knows how to take care of you. If you can think about Jesus hanging there on the cross, breathing his last breath, you know how much he cares for you. If he's going to do all of this for you, you know that he's going to continue to provide for you. It's just absolutely amazing. It doesn't mean everything's going to go your way, let's be honest. But he's going to take care of you. The cross shows us that. So yes, it's a law, don't worry. But it also gives us hope that we don't have to worry. We don't need to think about all of these things because God has it. I love hearing that. He's got everything under control. I love that. But here's the thing that we got to understand is that Jesus coming doesn't always mean that things are going to be great for us here on this earth. Uh, one of the things titled in my Bible, uh, he doesn't come to bring peace, but division. In fact, it says that not peace, but division. All right, this comes back to the baptism that he says he has to be baptized with, right? The fire is coming. The wrath of God is coming on Jesus, Right? He's going to be taking our sins, the punishment for our sins upon himself. But hear these words. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Well, wait a second, Jesus. I thought you were supposed to be the prince of peace. And yes, he is. Right? He gives us peace with God. And that is far more important than earthly peace. We know we have eternal peace because of what Jesus has done for us. 
But he says that there will be division. And think about that. How many of you have a family member or a few family members where if you start talking about politics at the family Christmas dinner, you know there's going to be war. <laughs> there's, there's just division among us. And with Jesus, it's also true. Because the thing about Jesus is he has to either be 100% correct or 100% wrong. There is no in-between. You can't just say Jesus is a good guy, but then not believe everything he says. I mean, come on. This is the one that says he is the Messiah. He's alluding to the fact, as we saw from our last chapter, that he's doing the things that the Messiah does. He is the son of God. If Jesus is saying things that you believe aren't true, you really can't call on him as the Savior. He's a liar. So either you're 100% behind Jesus or you're not. There really is no halfway. So there's going to be division, right? There are going to be people that say, you know what? I don't believe Jesus. So stop preaching to me about this Jesus stuff. Perhaps you've heard that before. I don't believe in Jesus. So the morality that you're talking to me about, I don't think applies to me. You've probably heard some of those things. I don't believe in Jesus, so I don't vote the way that you do or think the way that you think or bind other people to doing those same kinds of things. Your faith, your Christianity, that's for you. It's not for me. You hear that, right? And so as a result, there is going to be conflict. There's going to be a rub. And so what do we do? We fight, right? We battle. No. No, that's not it at all. We just keep loving. We just keep showing the love of Jesus, offering forgiveness, being kind, yet still speaking the truth in love. That's what we're called to do. Right? So really, as we look back on this text, we can talk about law or gospel, whether these are rules that we have to follow. But really, more than that, it's just the way that we live. This is what we're called to do, not just for our neighbor, but that is certainly important, but really so that we can have peace with one another and peace in our own lives. These are the kinds of things that bring peace, trusting in God and not being anxious, not being so focused on money and what we have, but looking to what God has and what he's providing for us. And to continue to hold to the truth, not because it's easy, but that's what we're called to do. All right. Well, we better stop here. This is one of our longer chapters. We got a shorter chapter tomorrow, and it is one of my favorite chapters. So I will see you tomorrow. You're halfway there.